Podcast listeners. Welcome to I Do Podcast. Thanks for joining us on this lovely Wednesday or whatever other day you're listening to it. <laughs> yeah, we're recording this on a Wednesday, but you'll be listening to, to this in the future. Who knows what day it'll be, but hopefully it's a good day for you. Yeah. And um, hopefully today's show will give you a lot of great advice. I know it was great for us. We talked with Dr. Tim Cole, and he is an associate professor at DePaul University, where for over 20 years he has studied relationships and uh, more recently, and particularly how differences in people's need for intimacy can lead to a betrayal of trust. And he is also an author of the book, Broken Trust, Overcoming an Intimate betrayal. And today we talk about how to increase intimacy in a relationship. And it's definitely something we've talked about before, but it's a super important part of being together with someone else. Yeah, we really focused on um, a lot about understanding your attachment style and your partner's attachment style. Because um, I mean, we've talked about this briefly, but I really didn't realize that your attachment style had that much of an effect on how you perceive intimacy in your relationship. So really understanding uh, your attachment style really can help you and your relationship with your partner. Yeah. And one of the other things we've talked about before, but like trying new things, it's something Sarah and I, 2018, we got to do because we just get we get stuck in these, our routine. We've been together for like eight years now. We know each nine. other, nine years, whatever. <laughs> I mean, and, uh, whatever. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you value the, the number I more know. than I do, but I know a while. It's giving you a hard time. And we need to try new things. So, so that is something it, it, it's like so cliche, but just do it. Put it on the calendar. Listen to what Tim has to say about it. And, all the other great tips that he gives. Some of them are definitely new. We haven't heard before on the show and a great way to, to help your relationships. So also uh, listen towards the end of the interview where we give a sneak peek at an exciting new podcast that we have in the works. So stay tuned for that little uh, in the works. teaser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It won't be out for a while, but it'll give you a good little little hint of what's coming. Yeah, we're excited about that. So check that out. And as always, we love hearing from you guys. We appreciate those five-star reviews. Subscribing on iTunes definitely helps us out. And uh, yeah, we, we love you guys. We appreciate you listening and enjoy today's show. Today's show is sponsored by Songfinch. Songfinch brings your stories, feelings, and memories to life through one-of-a-kind songs from scratch. I just got my song back that I wrote for Chase and we'll be playing it later in the show because it is so good. Songfinch's custom songs are the perfect gift for Valentine's Day. And as a special offer, you guys can get 10% off by visiting songfinch.com. That's F-I-N-C-H, songfinch.com and entering the promo code I do. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. 
So we've given our listeners a little overview, told them about your work. Why don't you tell us why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships? Uh, and again, it, it goes back to my childhood. As a child, I was one of those people who never stopped asking why, why, why. And um, in college, I was a mechanical engineer, and I took a class on human uh, communication. And from that class, I was just overwhelmed about the complexity of our relationships um, and how important they are. And it was much more interesting than calculus problems. And so ever since then, I've just been studying relationships, trying to share what we know about relationships with other people, help people manage their relationships better. Um, And so I'm really just curious and I like to share with other people what we know. That's quite the switch from uh, mechanical engineer to uh, the work that you're doing now. It's really not in some ways because it's um there's a lot of logic, there's a lot of statistics, a lot of analysis. So in some ways, it's very similar. It's just the relationships are much more um, complex than uh, engineering problems, surprisingly. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Well, today's topic is one that certainly a problem in a lot of relationships or just something that could be made better. And we're going to zero in and talk about intimacy. And why don't we start by having you define intimacy. We've definitely talked about it on the show before, but we're going to do a bit of a deep dive and, and see if we can help our listeners and our and Sarah and I understand it better and, and the steps to, to create more in our relationship. Okay, that's a great question, and it's a, it's a complicated question. Um, so first off, intimacy is mutual knowledge, a mutual understanding of each other. And so that means I get you and you get me and we understand that we understand each other. Um, And you do this by having shared experiences, a lot of self-disclosure, spending time together. Intimacy also involves feelings of closeness and concern and respect and value. And so, again, I value you. I respect you. I love you. Um, Another component of intimacy is that positive feelings. But then there's also this mutual influence. So intimacy um, also involves, you know, what I do in my life impacts what goes on in your life and vice versa. Our lives have become interdependent. We're kind of connected to each other. And so, again, there's that knowledge component, that closeness, those feelings of closeness, but also that direct impact on each other's lives. And one of the things that is we hear about often and we've found in our relationship a little bit is as the relationship grows, it, it kind of things can stagnate and we might really know each other almost. It's almost, we know each other so well that we, it, it's a detriment that we don't do yeah. the things we do early in the relationship. So it's like, it's almost like too much intimacy in one area of just knowing each other. We, we might not continue to try to know each other and we're constantly evolving humans. So uh, when Sarah and I met eight years ago, we're different people now. So I think it's like this ongoing process. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So you, you hit the nail on the head. What happens is that when you first meet someone, uh, it's really fun because you're learning so much about each other. Um, and that discovery process, you're learning novel things, exciting things. And so that people tend to be very happy. It releases a lot of dopamine in that process. 
at a certain point, though, once you kind of know everything about each other and know uh, your partner inside and out, um, it's hard to have that release of dopamine or happiness or satisfaction that comes from that process of getting to know another person. And so it's really important when you're in that phase, it kind of does get stagnant. Uh, what the research shows is that you need to switch um, because you're no longer going to get a lot of high or euphoria off of getting to know each other. What you have to do is you have to start doing activities together that are outside your comfort zone. So maybe you go skydiving together, you take a vacation together. In other words, you have to keep that euphoria and that high going by doing activities that trigger the same release of dopamine that you got when you first met each other. And that's what really successful couples do is they're really good at finding ways to do exciting things together that are a bit outside their comfort zone, which then gives them a lot to talk about and rekindle those feelings of closeness, novelty, and connection. That's a great point. We've heard it before. Maybe this time Sarah and I can actually <laughs> take it to heart because I think we're thinking the same thing is we don't really do that in uh, just personally in our relationship. I think both of our personalities were very kind of just like we don't. We live a pretty exciting life. Like we right now, we're in Costa Rica. We've traveled, but that's just kind of almost like what we're used to. And then, so we don't really mm-hmm. get out of our comfort zone. Uh, we're kind of homebodies. We're fine with staying home, watching Netflix. We all have a two year old too, so it makes it harder. But, but I think that's something, uh, Sarah. What do you think? Twenty eighteen, we make an effort. Yeah, the first thing. When you said skydiving, I was like, okay, I don't want to do that, but I want to do uh, cage swimming with sharks. Oh, Would yeah. You do that? Cage diving? <laughs> Let's do it. I'm That's in. pretty crazy for me. <laughs> and, so, and so the planning of those activities, the doing of those activities, the talking about it afterwards, again, you're going to feel like you're madly, newly in love with each other. And what you said is what most couples do, they get stuck in a rut because they, they like habits. And so... Couples go to the same restaurant, they order the same dinner, they sit there, and there's not a lot of novelty going on. So it's really important to do those novel, exciting activities that, again, you haven't done before. All right. Well, that's news to me, cage diving. Sarah wants to do it. So I'm, I'm already excited <laughs> and I'm it. already feeling, you know, that the, the juice is going, you know, like exciting. <laughs> so Yep. And that's exactly what successful couples do. They manage to keep doing that. Now, are there any couples that struggle with, I know in your article you wrote that there will be times where couples will struggle because they have different attachments, styles, and and that can affect their intimacy in their relationship. So do you think you can maybe talk a little bit about that? Because I think that can maybe help couples who have an issue with intimacy just because they are different uh, when it comes to how they see intimacy in their relationship. Yeah. So you ask a really great question when it comes to romantic relationships in particular, uh, people have different needs and different comfort levels with intimacy. Uh, They have different definition of definitions of what intimacy involves or entails or means. And so it's really important to know your attachment style. So people have different styles of attachment. Um, People with a secure style of attachment are very comfortable getting close to a partner, very comfortable being dependent on a partner, very comfortable um, trusting a partner, 
they kind of see the best in their partner and expect their partner to be there for them, but they're also very good at taking care of their partner as well. Um, people who have an anxious style of attachment, on the other hand, uh, tend to worry more that their partner doesn't uh, care for them as much. And they have some insecurities about being loved. And so because of these insecurities about being loved, they secretly or not so secretly crave a lot of intimacy and closeness and reassurance. And again, they just want to know that their partner will be there for them. So they, they really uh, seek out intimate activities, intimate behaviors. They really want a lot of intimacy. They crave intimacy. And then on the other hand, you have people who have an avoidance style of attachment who are very uncomfortable with intimacy in their relationship. And to them, they try to avoid intimacy or dismiss or deny that they need intimacy. Uh, very uncomfortable making commitments. Um, very uncomfortable when a partner becomes too dependent or needy on them. And so the simple act of watching TV together, so two couples watching Netflix together at night, uh, for someone with an anxious style of attachment, that may not feel very intimate. Um, for someone with an avoidance style of attachment, that may feel overly intimate. And so relationships really get into problems when you don't get the intimacy you need, want, and desire. And that stems back to attachment styles and understanding your attachment style as well as your partner's attachment style. We've definitely talked about attachment styles before on the show. So some of our listeners might be familiar with it, but it's, it's, even if you are, uh, it's always good to have a refresher and to try to examine what your attachment style is, and it can help you deal with some of these conflicts. And I think one of the important things to to realize is that like nothing is wrong with you if you're an anxious attachment style, because these things are formed when we are developing as a child, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, your attachment style forms in the first three years of life based on interaction with your caregiver. And so again, um, your attachment style, though, as an adult, influences how you respond to intimacy in your relationship, and it influences so many behaviors from how you experience jealousy, how you fall in love, how you engage in self-disclosure, how you're likely to engage in conflict, whether you're likely to cheat on your partner or not. Um, even my own research shows that your attachment style influences how you watch TV. So, again, your attachment style has a lot to do with how you connect to others. And what you need. And there's nothing wrong with having an anxious style of attachment. Um, what is helpful is just to be very clear about what your expectations are and find someone who can meet those expectations or at least talk to you about your expectations and have those honest discussions about having your needs met. So if somebody is relating to having an anxious or avoidant attachment style, they shouldn't be sitting there saying, oh, how do I become more secure? Or do they? Do they try to work to change their attachment style or is it just something that they need to work on every work on everything else um, around that? Oh, no, no. Uh, it's a great question. It's one of the questions that comes up all the time in my classes. And what I recommend to students and other people I talk to is that you can change your attachment style and it's, um, it, it's not impossible to do it. It requires, you know, some effort um, and some work. And the key things to do this are to have those discussions with your partner where you tell your partner, look, um, I may have an anxious style of attachment. That means I may reach out to you a lot. I may need a lot of assurance to you a lot. 
Um, if you could be available and responsive to me over time, I will become more secure. So the research shows having a partner who is available and responsive to your needs makes you more secure. Also, I mean, if it's really causing problems in your relationship, therapy is very effective at helping people change their attachment style and have a better life in their relationship, more happiness and satisfaction. Also, research is showing that mindful meditation helps people manage their emotions better, express their feelings better, support their partners better. Um, And so there's a lot of things you can do if you're not satisfied with uh, the issues your attachment style is creating in your relationship. It's not doomed. Uh, Actually, it's very hopeful. There's a lot of things you can do. Now, again, this isn't going to change overnight, but um, it's something you can work on, especially if you have a partner who's very cooperative, understanding, um, and willing to work with you. So it seems like the key is to to first recognize which attachment style you are. And just through your description, I think a lot of it will be pretty clear if, if to our listeners, you know, where, where you fall on this. And then, but then to open up that dialogue with your partner. And, and like you mentioned, like that can be changed. But if, if it's not really addressed, it, it, it will be hard for your partner to, to maybe know, <laughs> yeah. you know, they can't read your mind. Yeah. Yeah, they can't read your mind. And if it's not really addressed, what people tend to do is they tend to engage in a lot of behaviors that reinforce their attachment style. So what what people will do is so an anxious person may reach out to their partner a lot and their partner will become frustrated by this and start to maybe not call them back as quickly, ignore them or dismiss them. And that just reinforces their anxiety. So it's really critical to be aware of both you and your partner's attachment style and really have those honest conversations about how you can work through this. And again, the research is clear that you can, as a couple, change and become more secure over time by having those conversations, those interactions, that understanding. And again, really being responsive and compassionate towards a partner uh, can work wonders. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. But first, we're going to play a song that I had written for Chase. It was the last night of the year. I saw you saunter by and my mission was clear. I just had to meet that sexy surfer man. Soccer punch, but I'm pleased to say you're no meaner than a lamb. It wasn't long before I That is so cool. That is actually the second time we've listened to it. We just got the song back and it sounds like we were like, man, this could be on the Billboard Top 100, maybe. <laughs> Jack Johnson, right? Yeah, could be yeah singing it. Jack Johnson vibe. But uh, yeah, it, it's so cool because it tells the story of how we met and she puts in all these cute 
little details, some of them not so cute, as Sarah doesn't like when I tell the story, my brother getting sucker punched, but she got that in there, <laughs> and it still sounds cute. So I knew it would make you laugh, and it's always we always joke that instead of telling people how we met, it always turns into how his brother got sucker punched on the night we met. Yes, so, <laughs> so it's in the song, and, and but it just uh, tells a really cool, beautiful story of... of uh, how we met and then like our life and then going forward, chasing waves. I'll spare you my singing. But uh, I, yeah, it's the very chorus catchy. is catchy. I like have it stuck in my head now. I'm yeah, it's, singing it for the rest of the day. <laughs> oh, it's it's super cool. And and it's easy to, to do this. And I think it just makes a an amazing and heartfelt gift. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was super easy. I went onto the website and just asked for what type of occasion this is for and I was just doing it just because, and um, it just asked a story of, of us, uh, gives you questions to answer, suggestions to help you write your song, and then it asks the type of genre you want your song to be, the type of vocalist, and then it puts it all together for you. And seven days later, you have this amazing, one-of-a-kind song, so... Um, if you're looking for an amazing gift this Valentine's Day for your honey, then you should really check out Songfinch. Um, they're giving a 10% uh, discount for our listeners. So you can go to songfinch.com and enter the promo code I do to get 10% off uh, your, your song for your honey for Valentine's Day. Yeah, and they have a songwriting community of two hundred over 250 professional musicians, and it's growing every week. So these guys are good. You you hear the girl uh, singing our song, like, She's that amazing. could be on the radio, yeah. you know, is in, in the lyrics. It's all really beautiful. Even if you just, I mean, you want the song, but like just the lyrics were amazing. And so really love it. Valentine's day coming up guys that are listening it's kind of a no-brainer i mean yeah. your, your girlfriend <laughs> or wife is going to love this and girls you know i i really loved and enjoyed uh hearing it yeah so go on over to songfinch.com and enter the promo code i do and get 10 percent off your song and all of this is really about better communication better relationship and more intimacy and we we mentioned earlier trying novel things as a way to to create more intimacy. So once we understand our partner's attachment style, we're communicating in a way that's going to be beneficial to them if they're anxious or avoidant, uh, make them feel more secure. What else can we do in a relationship to to try to create more intimacy when it's outside of that first year? Now we know everything about each other. We're trying new things. Are there any other things that we can do? Well, one thing I recommend that all couples do is uh, it's a really simple thing. And what I, I tell couples, you know, check in with each other on a daily basis. And what that really means is just put your phone away, that email away, turn the TV off, um, and face-to-face, just ask your partner, hey, how are you doing? I care about you. I want to know how you're doing. And that simple checking in on a daily basis it really does make people feel close, connected. Uh, it makes me feel... It makes partners feel valued, loved, and respected, but it also gives the opportunity for issues to come up. So many couples get in the habit of cross-talking where they talk past each other or they ask, hey, how was your day? And then they don't listen to the response or go, oh, that was great. And so you want to get out of those habits and then just really try to check in and have a moment or two. And it doesn't have to be serious. It doesn't have to be heavy. 
but just really checking in with each other and trying to make each other feel understood and cared for. Um, and again, issues may come out of those moments that allow you to address problems before they fester. And that can create more intimacy and closeness in a relationship. And it really does show your partner how much you care about them. That's a great tip. And like so many of the things we talk about on the show, it's not rocket science. It's not, hey, check in with your partner. It's not like some crazy thing that you research for 50 years to try to find out. But that's what makes relationships so hard and, and why they always require work and mindfulness and attentiveness. Yeah. And and especially uh-huh. now with all the distractions and our phones that it's just, it's hard to do that sometimes. But if you're mindful, and I know, like, we don't do that all the time. Like, we we have this show, we try to implement things, but I think that's something, uh, Sarah, that, that we should do. It's, is like literally and deliberately say like, Hey, how are things going? You know? And, and, and then almost more importantly, listening, uh, attentively to the response and not just formulating, uh, a, a quick fix or, or whatever as they're, they're telling you what's going on. <laughs> right. Like, like we tend to do. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not, you're, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what couples should do. And again, it's not brain science, but there's a lot of research behind it. And so at a physiological level, uh, there's a whole body of research called interpersonal neurobiology. When someone gives you that kind of attention, it makes you feel loved, connected, you resonate together, and it produces all these physiological and cognitive and emotional benefits. So, I mean, there's a, there is kind of like rocket science behind doing that. Um, but again, it's so simple, but couples don't do it. And it's one easy way to really connect and address issues as they come up or just again, show your partner that you really care about them. It's, it's so true because when, when you're able to sit down and have that one-on-one undivided attention with your partner, not only are you able to share, you know, things that went on that day, but allows you to feel closer to your partner and more connected because you're able to share maybe the small things that happened that day that you normally wouldn't share. Yeah. And that, again, that creates that intimacy, that mutual knowledge, that understanding, that concern. And, and it's a really easy thing to do. And I, it, it's shocking how many people don't do it. Um, and again, you're right. Technology, distractions, modern day life. We don't take the time to attend to each other in just a few minutes check in with each other. Would you say a majority of couples don't do that? Yeah, a majority of couples don't do that. Uh, they, they just were habitual creatures. So, you know, after a long, hectic day at work, how was your day? I'm not going to listen, right? I'm <laughs> distracted by something else. And, um, and also, you don't feel close. You don't feel that connection. You don't feel that your partner's listening to you. So your stories about your day get shorter because you realize at a non-conscious level, no one's really listening. And so what you want to do is break out of those habits. Um, and again, it's, it is rocket science and it's not rocket science, um, but it, it does help. I had an old coworker that uh, every time, not every time, but pretty often when someone would say, hey, how you doing? They'd respond with, oh, bad. You know, and then half the time, most people wouldn't even be like, oh, why are you having a bad day? Because, you know, they're just not even really <laughs> no. paying attention. And so he always used to do that kind of to see, like, you know, if, if people are really paying attention. Yeah. And a lot of times you go through life mindlessly, right? You're not paying attention. You're not really present. You're not really focused. And uh, if you're going to be focused, pay attention. The most important part of your day to do that 
is with your partner. Because at the end of the day, nothing is more important than the relationships you have and being able to manage those effectively. Yeah, you mentioned the word presence, and it's not easy to do. And I would encourage our listeners to to do this exercise, but think about when you've met a person, and, and hopefully we all have, or maybe it's your partner, who looks you in the eyes when you're talking. Like, this might be just like not even someone you know that well, like an acquaintance. Because I, I'm just thinking about this uh one of Sarah's friends who's, who said the other day, I was, I was with this lady and, and she was just amazing and she had this presence. But to me, it, it, it was, she was probably just looking her in the eye, listening attentively. We, we can read all these nonverbal communications that it, yeah. someone is giving. And, and I think more often than not, we are not there. We're thinking about something else or, or, or whatever it is, but we're not, attentively listening and in dialogue with a person, certainly not an acquaintance or a friend, but, and then not even our, our most romantic and, and intimate partners. So uh, it's just such a powerful thing to be able to do attentively. Yeah. And uh, you hit the nail on the head again. You can do this with someone that you meet on the street, an acquaintance, a friend, a loved one. And uh, there's a lot of research on this process that you mentioned, being present, attentive, um, showing concern. And it's called Positivity Resonance. There's a great book for non-academics on it. It's called Love 2.0 by Barbara Fredrickson. And again, this is one of the most vital, important things in your life is to foster those connections with other people. And at a physiological level, the weird things that happen in terms of your brain waves, in terms of your heart rate, in terms of your respiration, when you have those genuine present interactions with other people, um, it provides more health benefits than exercising, quitting smoking, um, doing all those things we're supposed to do. Those fostering those connections with other people uh, really do influence your mind and body. That's cool. I'm going to have to check out that book, Love 2.0. And as a parent to a two-year-old, this is also something that that I think Sarah and I are, are trying to implement more is that that undivided presence with, with them and, and so that they're feeling those those vibrations and, uh, and you know, and, and just to try to really appreciate, like, it's so cliche, but the, the time flies and, and it does already. I can't believe she's two, but like to really cherish those moments. There's a, a great stoic quote. I'm, I'm going to butcher it and I'm not even going to try to quote it, but it, it's something that, that why well, I, I will try. But along the lines of like, life is not too short. We just don't value time correctly. We don't spend the time correctly. That's a great quote. And I'm going to actually lift that and kind of butcher it too and use that. Um, I teach a class on mindfulness as well. And so, again, we go through life, our lives not being present. And so I applaud you for the work you're doing with your daughter, being present, being available, being responsive to her. That's, again, how you develop a secure style of attachment that will help her later in life and her adult relationships. 
Yeah, we definitely, and when we had the daughter and we were, our daughter and we were doing this podcast and so much of how we relate is formed early, you know, as a parent, like we're just like kind of hyper aware of, of, of these things because we want her to, to relate well as, and when she grows up. And, and I applaud you for that. There's so many people who don't take the time. So there, there's thousands of scholars studying relationships. There's this huge body of knowledge that's fairly consistent. And people in the most important aspects of their lives, how they connect with others and how they form relationships, don't make use of this body of knowledge that can really help you improve your life. So, um, you know, what you're doing is great and getting this information out there to other people is fantastic. Um, and again, you know, I totally applaud what you're doing. No, thank you. Thank and you. Yeah, we, we, we're just interviewing the experts like yourself and we do feel, uh, it is an interesting thing that you you hit it on the head of of it's such an important aspect of our life, but it seems like this subcategory of of things that are important to talk about, like in Western culture, when it's like really the most <laughs> important thing. And it, along that same vein, I, I wanted to ask you. So you're a professor um, at DePaul, and, and you you mentioned you teach a class on mindfulness. Do you teach any classes on, on re- relationships? Oh yeah, I teach a class on uh, attachment. I teach a class on close relationships. I actually teach a class on deception and infidelity. Um, I teach a class on how evolution influences our interactions with other people. Um, so I, I teach a wide range of classes that focus on how people manage their relationships and the problems that come up. And as you said, you know, the most important thing you're going to do in life is manage your relationships. It's also one of the most difficult things you're ever going to do in life. And so, you know, as someone who's curious about things, you're just naturally drawn to this topic. And again, sharing is the best part of the job. That's interesting. All those classes you teach, are, are they pretty well received by the students that they're... they're yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, the students love the classes. And again, uh, the students are always like, oh, why didn't we get this in high school? Why didn't we get yep. this younger? I mean, why <laughs> yeah. are we waiting until college to teach it? And, you know, I had the same experience as an undergrad. I was like, wait, there's this whole body of research on relationships that doesn't get disseminated? And for the most part, academics like to talk to other academics because we have our jargon, we have our mutual knowledge, we know how to do that. So um, it's very hard to translate some of this knowledge and research to an outside audience, which is what I'm trying to do a little bit more now that I'm mid-career. You know, I don't have to focus as much on advancing my personal career, but trying to help other people. make use of this and improve their lives. I, I think that is a great thing, and we definitely applaud you, and we thank you for, for coming on and allowing yeah. us to uh, definitely share this with, with a few thousand of people that, that are going to you know find a lot of value. Yeah. Is, are those classes sure. um, new to the curriculum, or have they been at the school for a while? Well, you, you know, I have been teaching at DePaul for 20 years. I created those classes. Um, Mindfulness is the most recent one I've added just because, you know, the research on mindfulness shows it's one of the quickest ways to improve so many facets of your life, including your relationships. 
but you know, I've slowly added them over the curriculum, and some of them are at the undergraduate level. Uh, the attachment class is at the graduate level. Um, but students are like, you know, once they have a class like that where they, they, they can see and they can walk outside the class immediately and start applying theories and concepts, they're like, this is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's a lot better than solving calculus problems all day. Yeah, yeah, that's like the classic math is like, I'm I'm never going to use this. It's like, well, you can just take this right outside, literally, while you're in class, you can use it probably if you're interacting with anyone. And, and uh, yeah, now we just got to yeah. figure out how to get it into preschools, you know, because, you know, it, like you said, the earlier, the better. Maybe that'll be, that'll be a, uh, a mission that we can somehow tackle. Yeah, and it would be, it would be great if we, um, did value this kind of knowledge more and did, you know, disseminate it in ways that it's really accessible and really useful. Um, and again, you know, that's how I hope to spend the second half of my career is really reaching out to people and trying to help them, you know, manage their lives better. I do have one more question before we wrap up and it, it kind of goes back to, um, the attachment style with uh, with children, and you mentioned being mindful and present um, with your child uh, is a is a great way to help their attachment style. But do you have any other tips to uh, to help now that Stella's two and a half, almost three? We have like six months to get in, like you know everything. No. <laughs> okay. So so you and, and again, uh, what the research shows is that. Being available, so if your child knows you're there, right, um, being responsive. So when they are hurt, sad, angry, confused, hungry, you respond to their needs appropriately. But the third factor, and this one doesn't get enough attention, um, is allowing your child to explore. And so allowing them to go off, not you know, not completely off, but allowing them to go make mistakes. Allowing them to hit their head when you see it's going to happen and you're like, oh, you know, I could prevent it. But, you know, Gerard Diamond, a very famous anthropologist, says that cultures where people are the most secure as adults are where they were allowed to explore as children. But they knew the minute they got in trouble that their caregivers would be available and responsive. And so a lot of times in the U.S. right now, we have overly protective parents who don't encourage exploration, don't encourage their kids to make mistakes, try to prevent their kids from making mistakes. And it's through that mistake-making process that kids learn, oh, I'm going to be okay. I'm gaining skills. I can handle what life throws at me. And so they build a lot of confidence that way. So again, the exploration is a critical component of that, which doesn't get talked about enough. That's a great point. I'm definitely the cautious parent. So we definitely, we let Stella explore, but it's something to keep in mind. And, and, uh, this has been really interesting at the end, uh, the, the whole conversation, but we actually have a, uh, a kids podcast that's going to be launching. But for this very reason, it's, it won't be focused just on relationships. It'll be everything from nutrition to, you know, how to help your kid form secure attachment style. But, but, uh, 
we'll have to have you back on and we'll, we'll do more of a deep dive into it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, all the information today, and that was a little sneak peek for our listeners. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be coming, in, <laughs> it'll be coming in a, uh, in a few months that we'll be launching the podcast. So that's exciting. But uh, all the information you gave us today is really valuable from applying it to intimate relationships to helping raise a kid with a secure attachment. So why don't we wrap up, have you tell our listeners where they can find you online, and then we'll say goodbye. All right. So um, the best way to get a hold of me online is I have a book um, for couples who are uh, dealing with a betrayal in their relationship. It's called um, Broken Trust. You can also reach me through DePaul University, the College of Communication. Um, And again, I'm available either way. Uh, you can email me at either place, um, and I'm always willing to help out. Excellent. Well, all those links will be on your show notes page on our website at ID Podcast, so our listeners know to go there to check them out. And again, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show and sharing your knowledge. All right. Thank you. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find the links from today's show on our website at idopodcast.com. And while you're on the website, we encourage that you check out some of the free resources that we've created for you guys. One of those is the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge. And we send you a email every day for 14 days with doable challenges to help strengthen and make your relationship even better. And we've also created cheat sheets and workbooks for your relationship. And you can find all of those on our website. And lastly, our Facebook group, which is the Love Tribe. We encourage all of you guys to join our group there as well. And if you ever have any topic suggestions or ideas for the podcast, please send them our way. You can email us at info at idopodcast.com and we would love to hear from you guys. And we hope you enjoyed today's show. Jason
Chasing away. 